That was special. Seriously, Pastor, thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts for the way that you serve and the way that you love us. And thank you for the opportunity today to share. And you, you, you are special to all of us. Your sacrifice is worth it. Thank you. One more time for Pastor. Oh, man. All right. Here it is. I'm standing on stage, officially the scariest place in the world for me. You know, studies have shown that uh, most, most common, the highest public fear is uh, public speaking. And the number two is death. So people would rather be laying in a casket at their funeral than giving the eulogy. <laughs> so I'm going to be real with you all this morning. This is where I'm at, but I know that God has given me something to give away. He told me six months ago that I would get a chance to speak before I leave. And I didn't like that. God, no, I don't, no, 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 no. Don't put me up there. Let me keep being in the background. But here I am. And so he is faithful to his word. When he says something, he will do it. There is no way around it. God's word is faithful. We can put our weight on it and we can trust him when he says something. So when we get into this, let's pray. Jesus. Help us. Lord, we need you today. We don't need more information. We don't need head knowledge. God, we need an experience. We need an encounter with you. We need an encounter with the King of Kings who loves us so deeply, so desperately. Help us to receive, Lord, what you have for us today. God, your presence is here. It's in our midst. It's in us. That pounding we feel in our chest is you knocking on our door, God. You want to come in. So please prepare our hearts, God. Let us be good soil to receive your word. And God, fill my mouth with your words, God. Not my words, your words. Let everything I say be straight from your heart, God, for your people. Thank you, Jesus, for what you will do today and what you are already doing. In your mighty name we pray, amen. All right, so I have a challenge for you before we get started and I share what we're going to talk about. The challenge is a lot of times when you hear a message, it can be really easy to start thinking about, oh man, this per oh, I wish this person was here. Oh, that'd be really good for this person to hear. And our minds go, elsewhere. And what that does is that actually blocks us from receiving what God wanted to speak to us. And so my challenge for you this morning is to push the other people aside. If they're not here, you are. And so God has a word for you this morning. So what I'm going to talk about is something that has a lot of us in chains. It has a lot of us in shackles. We're in prison and we may not even know it. It's so prevalent all throughout the world. I call it the most offensive F word in the English language. It's not what you're thinking. It's forgiveness. And so immediately, as soon as I say that word, it's like, oh, nope, nope, we're not going there. I'm not going to 
You don't know what they did. You don't, I'm not, nope, I'm good. And so God wants to break through that today. And I want to share some of my story with you. And on what I've worked, of what I've walked through, where God's taken me, what I've learned, what I've failed, what I've fallen short at. And I hope that it touches you and gives you hope in the process that God is faithful. He is enough. And he's all that we need, even for something as difficult and challenging as the word forgiveness. <laughs> Disclaimer, it is, it is such a, a sensitive topic. I know there is very real hurt in the room. Very real hurt. And I don't want to diminish that. I don't want to slap a Christian band-aid on it and go, oh, they'll just forgive because God said you're supposed to and be a good Christian. Like, that's not what this is about today. This is about allowing God to meet us in the midst of that struggle, in the midst of that hurt, and to see what he speaks to our heart to heal those wounds. I'm not going to be able to cover everything that I would love to cover because it's such a massive topic, but I want to highlight a few of the things that God gave me to give. <laughs> and again, I'm going to be honest, I, I was struggling this, preparing for this talk, I was not happy. You can ask my wife. I was really having a hard time. I was, I was trying so hard to create something good that would be good enough, and this is going to be a perfect sermon, and here's how it's going to go. I'm trying so hard, and I was going nowhere. I was so frustrated. I, I couldn't figure out how to put the, the points together and how to make it flow, and it just wasn't happening. And then 5 o'clock on Friday night, God did that with my sermon. <laughs> and my perfectly polished, put-together presentation on forgiveness with all the points and everything, God was like, no, I don't want you to talk about that. That's, that's, not, that's not what I have for you to give away. So I want to share about my story. <laughs> also, let me just say, standing up here on platform, it's not really something to be desired to aspire to because God's not going to let you come up here and share something unless you've walked through it. And so... I have, I have such a big heart for pastor. I don't know how much you must have walked through to get up here and give away your heart every single week because I'm going through it right now, right? I'm going to talk about forgiveness. Take a wild guess the opportunities that I've had this past week, month, six months to walk in that very thing that I'm going to be talking on. So it's a quick story that I just realized yesterday, thanks to Pastor. Uh, we are about to be moving, unfortunately. I'm going to really miss you guys, but we're heading out to Colorado Springs uh, at the end of next month. And part of that process is we're trying to sell our house so we can leave. Well, uh, there was an event that happened about a month ago where our air conditioning went out. It's a little warm outside, so not, not the most ideal, but there was a huge blessing because we had a home warranty on our house and it was actually, the air conditioning went out two hours before our home warranty expired. So, okay, Jesus, thank you, wow, that's incredible. There's no way that I could have orchestrated that more perfectly. It's been a month. We still have no air conditioning. And we're going through the home warranty process, and we've, we've been so blessed to have a wonderful couple that has opened their home to us so we can live and sleep in the cool. But the home warranty company has been causing my flesh to show up <laughs> because we're trying to move. We're trying to get our house fixed up and listed, and we need to do this on a timeline. God 
help. And it seems like one roadblock after the next after the next. And they finally approved a full replacement, and then they put in the order for the replacement system, and now it's back ordered for probably two or three weeks. And all of these things just keep coming up and coming up. And Pastor brought up a good point. He's like, have you forgiven the, that company? And I was like, oh, oh, Jesus, help me. I don't want to forgive them. But it's, it's, isn't that just like what God does, though? When, when we're about to give something away, he gives us an opportunity to walk in it first. So I had to take some time. I, I sat down for a good 30 minutes yesterday, and I was like, God, um, oh, okay, I got I to gotta lay this down. I, I can't walk up on stage tomorrow still carrying this unforgiveness against the home warranty company for doing me wrong and keeping me sweaty. And, and so I, I had the opportunity to lay that down, and that, that bitterness, that frustration, that thing that was pulling me away from being able to trust God that he'll provide for us and that he knows our timing, that's gone now. And so I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And pastor, thanks for calling me out. This is why we need accountability. This is why we need other people in our lives. So anyway, continuing with the vein of sharing my story and, and where I've been and how I have learned, I'm going to take you all the way back to little Eric. So back in the day, when I was growing up, I grew up in a, a wonderful home. It was, it was a real safe home, and I'm, I'm blessed to have that because I know that's not everybody's experience. But I grew up in a wonderful home that was a safe environment to be myself. I could just be me, and it was good, and, and no issues, and uh, I was homeschooled through fifth grade. Well, sixth grade comes around, and I go to public school for the first time, and, you know, it was, it was a decent experience. I got my homeschool awkwardness with me, and trying to make some friends here and there, and it, it wasn't too bad. But at the end of the year, my parents approached me, and they're like, hey, we found this other school, this small public school. It's got great student-to-teacher ratios and all these things that parents care about. And I'm like, okay, cool, sure, yeah, I'll change schools. And I showed up to my new school in seventh grade, and I had 45 kids in my graduating class. So it was a real small school. It was a public school uh, up in rural Minnesota. And the problem was, that, that group of kids had been together since elementary school. They had known each other, they had a, a tight-knit relationship, and here's this outsider showing up. And this outsider cares about his grades and all these things that are clearly not cool. And so, not to mention, I might fool you now, but I was about four foot 10 and weighed about 90 pounds soaking wet in seventh grade. So naturally, I became a pretty easy target. And for seventh and eighth grade, my life was so hard. I, I became the guy that just got picked on all the time and made fun of and didn't, nobody really wanted to, to be friends with me because I was that guy and they didn't want to connect with that guy. And in that, that wounding, um, <laughs> another story, I got, I got in one fight and, and my fight consisted of me doing this. Ah, like, it, it wasn't much of a fight. Again, here's little Eric, he's scared. And I remember after that, I got called into the principal's office, and I was sitting there just sobbing my eyes out. Like, I was so scared I was going to get in trouble. I was just, oh, I ruined everything. I'm never going to be friends with people. It was just like everything kind of came to a head right there. And I was so just ashamed. Like, man, who I am is not acceptable in the world. I tried to be me, and it wasn't welcome. And so I internalized that lesson and I adapted, and I figured out that, 
okay, hold on. If this didn't work, being who I was didn't work, let me figure out what they want. Let me figure out what is acceptable. Let me figure out what people really like, and I can do that. And unfortunately, I succeeded. <laughs> and by the time I graduated from high school, I was the homecoming king. I was the starting quarterback on the football team. All of these things, I succeeded. I figured out how to do this without being hurt because I don't want to be hurt. That sucked. But what I learned in that process was not something that served me. It, on the surface, it did. I look great in the world's eyes. I'm successful. I'm well-liked. Everybody's cheering me on. You know, got accepted to a prestigious college. Like, I'm going to go do great things, change the world. Inside, I was empty. I was dead. Because all, all that was receiving that affirmation and that praise was, was a shell. It was, it was a mask. And when we're wearing masks, that mask is the only thing that can really receive love, that can really receive anything. It never gets through to us. And so in that, I learned, hey, if you get hurt, if something comes up, bury it. Sweep it under the rug. That way you won't have to deal with it. If you just pretend like, oh, that, that's fine, that didn't hurt, no worries, oh, I'm fine. Yeah, that's okay. Then I don't have to actually sit and feel that pain. I'm good. I can keep on keeping on. Life is just going to progress the way that I need it to. I can just, ah, whatever, that's fine. And so you start sweeping things under the rug. You start sweeping things under the rug. You keep sweeping things under the rug, and before you know it, you got a mound you're walking over on this rug. And you, st you start to go, this is, this is getting kind of hard. i got to climb a mountain every time I want to go to the living room. And you don't really realize it in the moment, but it starts to affect you. And on the surface, I'm still happy Eric. I'm still doing well. I'm succeeding. I'm successful. Look at all these accolades. i got my resume that's longer than it needs to be. Like, that's... That's what it looks like on the surface. But deep down, I'm like, uh, I hope nobody ever finds out. I hope they don't know who I really am. As long as they keep looking at this resume, look, Eric is awesome, he's wonderful. And so internally, I, I was struggling. But I thought I was good at forgiveness. I was real good at forgiveness because I let nothing bother me. I got this impenetrable, bulletproof skin. You can't hurt me. So anything that you do, yeah, oh, yeah, you're good, I forgive you, you're good, don't worry. I'm hurting. It actually does hurt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spill the beans on anyone who buries things. It actually does hurt. So I'm sorry if I'm giving away the secrets, but if you pretend like things don't affect you, they do. And so as I continued on this journey, like, I didn't know what forgiveness really was. So I want to share that with you all today. What forgiveness actually is, best definition I've heard, is a conscious decision to tear up a legitimate debt that you are owed. It's, first of all, it's a conscious decision. It's not a feeling. <laughs> I promise you will never feel like you want to forgive, ever. Someone just hurt you. The natural reaction is to hurt them back. Natural reaction is not to turn the other cheek like Jesus talks about. That, that doesn't flow naturally out of us. That's only possible if it's supernaturally placed into us. But, but if there's a legitimate debt, you, you were hurt. Someone did something to you that they shouldn't have done. You got wronged in some way. 
But forgiveness is letting that go and choosing to go, you know what, here's, here's this bill that you owe me. I'm going to tear this up. You no longer owe me what I felt you needed to pay me. Also, it's a continuous process. Unfortunately, I wish it wasn't. I wish it was a one-time decision that just kind of covered everything from that moment forward. I forgave that person, and they're now good forever. But it's not the way it is. It's a lifestyle that we constantly keep choosing. You know what? I choose forgiveness. I choose forgiveness. I choose forgiveness. And, oh, that hurt. Okay. Oh, I'm going to choose to forgive. But it has to come from that place of acknowledging hurt. Like, it's, it's not just a brush under the rug. There's, there's a real pain there. Ultimately, forgiveness, it's, it's a gift. But it's not a gift for the person that you're forgiving. It's a gift for you. Because it's, it's a prison. Like for, Unforgiveness will absolutely keep us in a prison that we don't even know about. And so when we choose to forgive, we're setting the prisoner free and then realizing it was actually us. Just use a cliche statement. Like it's, it's powerful. But I, I want to say this one thing because, again, this is such a big topic and people have so many personal, painful, challenging situations that I know this doesn't just apply as a blanket Oh, just forgive, and everything will get better. Like, forgiveness is not a license for offenders to keep hurting. It's, it does not make you a doormat to just get walked all over. And I don't have enough time to go into that on this message, but there's a lot of unpacking that needs to happen there as well. Like, healthy boundaries are often necessary, but boundaries cannot be punishment for the offender. Otherwise, it's not forgiveness. And oftentimes, those boundaries get put in place to punish the person that did you wrong. It's not actually to keep you in a healthy spot. And so genuine forgiveness, again, is a gift for you, but healthy boundaries are also a gift for you to keep you in a place where you can be healthy. Hey, if, if you choose this, that's okay. I don't like it, but here's how I'm going to respond. It's not, it's not telling them what they, they can or can't do. It's just if you choose that, here's how I'm going to respond. Here's what I need to do. Um, all right, I'm going to get back to my story a little bit more. So I talked about junior high time. Fast forward a few more years, and now I'm going into my senior year of high school. My parents had been married for, I think, 27 years at that time. And my dad pulled me and my two sisters aside, sat us down, and said, so your mom and I, were going to get a divorce. And in that moment, I had become so adept at burying things, it just happened instantly. I didn't even, I literally have no recollection of feeling pain in that moment. I just snapped into auto-protect mode, and I was like, okay, well, that's the way things are going to be. So, all right, parents are getting divorced, it happens a lot, that's fine, I'll figure out a way to deal with it. And what I didn't realize until later is, so I, again, I grew up in a wonderful home, and it was, it was very surprising to me when I really look back on it, but my dad especially, like, he, he was my hero. I, I wanted to be just like him. I wanted to do everything with him. I wanted to, to just, like, this guy is amazing and awesome. And what I've come to find out is because of that moment, my dad went from my hero in my eyes to someone who was just a friend. Hey, I, I still get along with him. 
We can still have good conversations. Like, I'm not mad at him because he didn't hurt me. I'm fine. But no longer was I looking up to him as this authority that I respected, and, and it was just, okay, well, yeah, no, we can have good conversations when we talk, and we'll talk, but it was no longer that, that relationship that deep down I truly desired. But again, I wasn't hurting. I'm protected, I'm fine. Fast forward five years. In that time, it was when I truly surrendered my life to God and started walking in complete surrender, well, not complete surrender, but a little bit of surrender, a little bit more surrender than I walked. Let's be honest here. <laughs> we're all learning, we're all growing, and I have way more to learn. But I had started walking in more surrender, and God brought this up, the divorce. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm fine. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me. And God gave me an analogy in that. And so it's, it's, it, it would be like if I got shot in the arm five years ago and skin healed up. I got a scar, a little scar there, but it's healed. It's good. I'm fine. I can move on with life. But the bullet's still in there. And it's starting to fester. It's starting to get infected. It's starting to affect my life and my ability to do the things that I'm supposed to be able to do. But I don't want to open that back up. That's going to hurt to cut it open. That's going to hurt to go in there and probe around until I find that bullet and take it out. I don't want to face that initial pain of opening this wound back up. I'd rather just keep going. But what God showed me is if I do, I'm going to keep dying. I might be good on the surface. Skin's healed. I'm fine. But deep down, things are starting to get infected and fester. And so in that process, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? All right, God, fine. I, I want to forgive my dad. I don't know how. Um. This, this really kind of sucked. Like, I always wanted to be the person that had the perfect family, and I care a lot about marriage. I'm passionate about doing marriage God's way, and now I don't even have parents that I can look to and go, hey, show me the way. This, this is not the way it was supposed to be. And so I got all this hurt and all this pain. I'm like, okay, I want to forgive God, but I can't. This is, this is a lot. And so moving forward a few more years, I remember specifically this one encounter that I was at a, a worship night at a campus ministry group I got plugged in with, and we are singing a worship song, and it was the time of the year they were talking about Jesus' sacrifice and what he paid for us and everything leading up to Resurrection Sunday, and I would just felt overwhelmed with God's presence and with this sense of how forgiven I was. It was this, this crazy peace just came on me, and I was like, oh my gosh, if this is the forgiveness that's available to me, I'm like, I can't hold my dad captive anymore. Like that, that I, want to, I want to give it away now. This is, this is incredible. And so I reached out to my dad, and you know, uh, maybe a few months later when we got together, I traveled back home. We met up, and I told him, I was like, you know, hey, I, I forgive you. I, I choose to forgive you. Uh, I had a whole bunch of questions, you know, what really happened, How, like all these things that I was kind of holding over him. And what that forgiveness was, is that was me saying, you know what, you don't owe me any answers. I'm, I'm releasing you from that burden, that demand, that you have to tell me everything that happened and why it turned out this way and all this. It was, 
I release you. I'm, I'm, I'm forgiving you. But, you know, that was, that was the extent of the, the pain that I had acknowledged. And so fast forward a few more years, and I had this wonderful opportunity to go on a trip called the World Race, which was an 11-month-long mission trip where you travel to 11 different countries. It's not actually competitive. You can't win the World Race. But it was, it was an amazing opportunity. And during that trip, God started speaking to me about my identity. And if you, if you remember, that identity that I picked up back in high school was perform, succeed, and you will be loved. As long as you are doing those things, if you have a good reputation, if people look at you with regard, that's it. But I was full of insecurity. Every single day was an opportunity to lose everything I had built. It, it may, on the, again, on the outside looking in, I was successful. I had all these things going for me, but I was so insecure. I had to watch every step I took. Every single thing I did was, am I going to lose it? Did I do that right? Are people going to think bad about me now? Are they, like, it was a, a prison. And so God started to speak to me about sonship and the fact that I'm chosen and I'm loved for who I am. Not for what I've done, not for what I'm doing. It has nothing to do with performance. It has everything to do with my true identity as a son. And that was powerful to me. And I started growing in that identity of sonship and, and God, I want more of this. Like, this is a new perspective. I need this. And I hit a wall. And I realized that I was still looking at God. I was seeing God the way that I saw my earthly father. And I had forgiven him, yes, but there was more there that wasn't acknowledged yet. And I was like, God, I want more. I want more. I couldn't, I couldn't get it. I couldn't grasp the deeper concepts that God had for me. And so during that world race trip, there was an opportunity to invite our parents out for one week to come out to Santiago, Chile, and do ministry with us for a week. And it was incredible. And God put it on my heart, hey, invite your dad. I was like, yeah, no. I came up with all the reasons why he wouldn't do that. There's no, oh, he's not going to do that. He doesn't have the time. You know, it's real expensive. And like, I was answering the question for him. And, and I want to encourage you all, never answer a question for someone else. Because it's going to be based in assumption. And oftentimes it may not be accurate. Especially if God puts something on your heart. That's an invitation to welcome someone. And so I invited my dad. I know he's going to say no. It's not going to happen. Well, do it anyway, God. Fine. Um... <laughs> And he said yes. And so he flew down to Santiago, Chile, and we had such a wonderful time. I was sharing with him everything that I was learning about sonship and all these other things. And then because of the conviction that God had placed on my heart, one afternoon we went out to a coffee shop and sat down, and, and I apologized to him. And I said, God told, or God wants me to, to lay this down. Like, I'm sorry that I didn't pursue you after the divorce. I'm, I'm sorry that I, I just settled for having you as, as a friend, and I didn't pursue a relationship with you. And it, it blew his mind. He couldn't, like, he couldn't grasp it. He was like, but there's nothing to forgive. Like, I didn't, I'm the one that, that did that to you. Like, there's no way that you need to ask of anything of me. And so we talked, and we talked, and we talked, and we talked, and it was like a four-hour conversation. It's probably one of the best conversations I've had in my life. 
because during that that conversation we i what i learned is that forgiveness only covers the hurt that you acknowledge it it only covers the hurt that you acknowledge and feel it's it's not something that's just a blanket you throw this over this person they're forgiven and so in that my dad had to first acknowledge man, that did really hurt to not have my son pursue a relationship with me. And that was a, a, a wound that he had to reopen first before he could extend that forgiveness. And <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you guys, like it, it was a absolutely life-changing trip. There were so many blessings that came in our relationship as a result of that trip. And I'm so grateful to say that today, I absolutely love my dad. And my relationship with him is <laughs> so life-giving to me. And so, um, man, <laughs> I know you're watching, Dad, so I love you. And I'm, I'm grateful for everything that you have given me, everything that you've taught me, and how you've given me these opportunities to grow. So thank you. So God can, God can redeem things. God can restore things. He doesn't always, but he absolutely can. And it's our job to walk in the surrender of what that looks like. Where are you leading me, God? Where are you taking me? And that was my story with my dad and where he took us. And it's, it's something that I'm so grateful for. And that, that lesson that he taught me about forgiveness only covering the hurt that I first acknowledged was one of the most fundamental truths about forgiveness that God spoke to me. It's illustrated in, a, in another analogy to kind of explain it. It would be like if I uh, went to a workout, went to a gym, and I left my wallet and keys and stuff in a locker, but I didn't lock it. And I come back after my workout, and I look at my wallet, and I had a $100 bill in there, and it's gone. And, and I'm, I'm all of a sudden like, what, what is happening? Like, someone took my money. This is not okay. I tell the, the place where um, I was working out, I tell the front desk and file a police report, whatever, whatever the case may be. But I'm just like, man, I can't believe they took my money. This is, I was going to use that. I needed that to, to make ends meet, and now I don't have it. And then God starts to convict me, and you know what? God, I'm never going to know who did that. I, I don't want to be in this prison. They're, they're out living their best life. They don't care. My, my unforgiveness is not affecting them, but it's, it's, it's hurting me. And I'm, oh, I'm just tore up about it. All right, God, fine. I'm going to choose to forgive them for that $100 they took. And then later that month, my credit card statement comes out. And I find out that they didn't just take $100 from me, that they went and ran up a $500 charge in Amazon is that forgiveness that I gave them still valid? Am I, am I, oh, okay, yeah, it's fine, I already forgave him. No, 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 no. My flesh is coming out, and I am like, no! How could you do that, you know? And so that's just to illustrate, like, forgiveness is only worth the hurt that you acknowledge first. You have to go to that place of pain and go, ah, oh, God, this hurts really hurts. 
You know, and it can be anything from having $100 taken from you all the way to the most egregious thing that has ever been done to you. You have to go to that place of hurt first for forgiveness to be valid and for forgiveness to cover that offense. So why? Why forgiveness? Okay, now we know what forgiveness is a little bit, but why? It's hard. It hurts. Is it just something I'm supposed to do to be a good Christian, God? You just want me to be a good Christian do this thing? So let's hear God's heart a little bit on that. In John 10, 10, it says, A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. So maybe it's not just about being a good Christian and checking a box. If, if this is who God is, this is, this is Jesus talking, by the way, in that verse. His intent, his desire, his heart is to give us everything. Life in abundance. And so if he is saying, hey, I want you to walk in forgiveness, it's for our good. It's for our benefit. It's for our blessing. He doesn't want us to be chained. He doesn't want us to be wrapped up in, in offenses and bitterness and resentment. And I can't believe they did this. Like, it holds us back. And Dathan had a great analogy when we were, we were talking last week. And it's like you have a, a rope over here attached to these, all these bags. All these bags are offenses and bitterness and hurt and everything. And this rope is around your neck. I'm trying to go this way. This is God says go. God says go. God says this way. I'm trying to follow God and I can't go because I'm still tied to all of this offense, all of this bitterness, all of this frustration. And I can't even walk where God's telling me to go. He's leading me there. I'm trying with all that I am. I'm straining and working and but there's something holding me back. And so to break down un unforgiveness a little bit, the root of unforgiveness is offense. And it is an epidemic in our world today. It, it seems to be growing daily that people are offended over everything. And the unfortunate part is it's, it's being catered to, almost to the point where being offended gives you extra rights. Well, I'm offended at that. Oh, are you? I'm sorry. Let me, let me help you. And that is so counter what the kingdom is. That's the enemy of our souls at work in our culture. Because offense is not to be enabled. It's not to be empowered. That's an opportunity. And let me just say, it is impossible to live life without offense. I get offended daily. So I'm not up here because I've got this all figured out and I just perfectly never get offended. Life's great. I, it's not the case. But offense is an opportunity. It's an invitation. It can be one of two different things. It can be picked up or it can be put on. And so offense, it can be picked up. Like, I can't believe that person said this about me. And, and you voluntarily go, I'm going to pick this up. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to coddle it. I'm going to take care of this offense. This is, this is my offense, my pet offense. I picked it up. It can also be put on, something you had no control over, something that was done to you 
you got hit by a drunk driver and now you're paralyzed for the rest of your life. You, you had no control over that. And there's so much very real hurt and pain that was caused by people who had no chance to push it off. It was done to them. That offense was put on. And that's an entire spectrum. It can be anywhere in between. It can be both. But that's the way that offense shows up. But that offense showing up is, is, is an invitation. What are we going to do with this offense? I now have this thing that's here. Whether I picked it up, whether it was put on me, it's here. I can't pretend it's not there. I did that for a long time. Sweeping under the rug didn't work. And so what am I going to do with it? And so there's three different ways that we can react when we have offense, when we encounter pain, when we encounter something that just uh, hurts in some way. We can engage with it. Just ruminate. I can't believe they would do this and this, and I'm just, oh, this is all I can think about, and I'm engaged in this offense. It's just consuming me. And there's a lot of people that get stuck there. I've been stuck there. And it is paralyzing. Let me tell you, I, I cannot, when I am stuck there, I can't think of anything else. I can't have another perspective. I can't do any of the things that God wants me to do. I can't hear things because I'm so offended. I'm just engaging with it fully. My, my preferred way of handling it was to escape. That's the second thing we can do when we get offended. We can escape, pretend it doesn't happen, push it to the side, run to something to numb the pain. Alcohol, drugs, sex, success, money, fitness. All of these things can be escapes. I, I feel so hurt, and I don't want to deal with it. That was me. Still is my tendency if I'm not careful. I, don't, I feel something painful. I don't, I don't like pain. I don't want to feel pain. The third thing we can do is we can entrust that offense. We can take it to the feet of Jesus and go, God, help. I am hurting. This sucks. This is not okay. I'm all kinds of torn up about this. I need your help. This is a heavy burden that I don't want to carry. It's going to hold me back. I need your help. And that's the third way that we can respond to offense. So if we take this offense and we hold on to it, and we continue to pick up new ones and hold on to those, and hold on to those, eventually what happens we get a filter. And now, this filter of unforgiveness, this filter of offense, is all I can see. No matter where I look, I see things through this filter. So if I have a light, and I ask you all, what color is this light? It's, it's, what color do you see it? What color is this light? White? No, it's yellow. You're wrong. There's no way it's white. I'm looking right at it and I see yellow. I'll ask you one more time, what color is the light? Is it yellow to you? It's white. 
but all I can see is yellow because this lens of unforgiveness is tainting my perspective of the way I see reality. And here's the thing, to me, it's yellow. That's real. That's, that is 100% my reality. I'm not trying to, to trick you. That's what I see. And that's what unforgiveness does. As we hold this offense in ourselves, it taints the way we see everything, the way we see people, the way that we see life. And if we take that lens off, oh, it's white. And it's been white all along. The truth didn't change. But my ability to see what was actually true was tainted. And so there is, <laughs> there's an invitation to take off some lenses. But I, I, again, I, wanna, I want to acknowledge that that lens is real. I didn't, I didn't used to believe it. I used to have a really hard time with people that didn't see things in light with the truth. And I'd just be like, you're, no, you're wrong. Here, let me try to convince you. Let me tell you why you're, why you're wrong. Here, this, this is what reality is. The truth is it's white. And you know, regardless of what you're seeing, what you're seeing is actually white. And I was completely missing the point because what they were seeing was yellow. And I couldn't change that no matter how much I tried to convince them because that lens was still there. And so it wasn't about convincing people to try to change their perspective. It was about what's, what's that lens that you're looking through? And if unforgiveness is there, it is a lens. There's no way to, to sugarcoat it. Like, it, it affects the way that we see everything. And what ends up happening, because we're holding on to that hurt, you've heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people, right? And so back to my story, one more story with you. Uh, <laughs> one of the biggest answers that God has given me to the question of why forgiveness came when I started dating Lindsay. Uh, back in January 18th of 2020, somehow she said yes when I asked her out on a date. And we went on a date. And it was a wonderful time. And things are good. God crazily spoke to me in ways and confirmed that this is going to be my wife. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I love the way that relationships start out, you know, it's, it's all sunshine and rainbows, and it's just honeymoon, and everything's wonderful. And so fast forward a few months, and that's not my reality. We skipped that memo. We, we missed that memo that said everything was supposed to be wonderful and perfect from the start. And we were right into the hard work of, hey, here's, here's what the reality is. And... During that time, I had moved down here to Texas, and she was still up in New York, so we're navigating this long-distance relationship, and it's hard, let me tell you. I have a lot of hurts and wounds that I'm holding on to. She has a lot of hurts and wounds that she's holding on to at the time, and we're struggling. So 21 Days of Prayer happens in August of 2020, and God told me something crazy. He said, I want you to to take a week and fast from all communication with Lindsay. <laughs> what? Uh, God, I don't know. Let's, can we talk about this? Um, 
I don't know if you know my girlfriend. I mean, I know you do, but this, this is going to sound like I'm breaking up with you and here's the God card. Like, this is not you. There's no way this is you. She's not going to take well to this. She's got hurts and wounds of abandonment in her past, and this is going to smell an awful lot like that. I don't want to do this, God. No. And that resistance lasted about one day before I... <laughs> he was very persistent, and he kept pursuing me, and he kept pursuing me, and it was time to let her know. <laughs> so I let her know, and lo and behold, got the reaction I was expecting, and it hurt. And I'm like, God, come on. I told you this would happen. I told you this would happen. Why, why are you leading me to do this when it's going to cause me so much hurt? I don't want to hurt. But because he's been speaking to me, because I've been growing, he wanted to go there with me. And so during that week of time where we weren't talking, there was no communication back and forth, I started to unpack with God Again, my identity, my filter, the lens that I was looking through of I need to perform in order to earn love. I'm not performing and I'm not being loved right now, God. There's, there's a problem here. Before I got into the relationship with Lindsay, I was single for 10 years. So I was able to hide. Nobody saw me. I was fine. I was protected. I was armored. Nobody can hurt me. I can't do that anymore, God. You can't be in relationship with someone. Anyone who's been in a relationship, been in a marriage, know they see you for who you are. You can't put on an act. When you're around someone 24-7, you cannot act. They will see who you really are. Also, there is going to be a lot of opportunities for forgiveness because you got two imperfect people trying to figure out how to do life together as one. But what I realized is in that bulletproof life that I was living, the way that I was shielding myself from everyone, I was cutting off my ability to receive love. Because when you put up walls, when you put up a shield, you don't just stop hurt from coming. You stop everything from coming. And I wasn't able to be loved when I had those walls up. And so what God spoke to my heart is that it is impossible to truly be loved unless you open yourself up to the possibility of being hurt as well. And that's hard. I don't want to get hurt. But I do want to be loved. My greatest desire is to be fully known and fully loved. My greatest fear is to be fully known and not loved. So what do I do? Don't make myself known. Hide it. Bury it. Put on this front, this mask. Hey, everyone, I'm Eric. I'm awesome. Look at me. Woohoo! Don't, don't, no, 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 don't, no, no, don't look at that. That's fine. That's hidden. Look at me. I'm awesome. But what I'm doing is I'm killing my own ability to receive that love. And it's not just from Lindsay. It's not just from my friends. It's not just from others. It's from God. When I am the one protecting myself, God's love can't get through to me. It's almost like that's the way that God designed it. He set, he set this up for him to be our protector, for him to be our comforter, to be our source, to be our peace. We need that from him, not from us. And so when we try to step into God's 
role and start doing his job for him. We're messing with the process, and it's not going to work. God designed us to work in a certain way, and so this is what I learned as a result of that. And so fast forward to the end of the week. In case you can't tell, our relationship survived. We're married. It's amazing. God's very faithful and apparently true to his word. When he says something, he will do it. But God was working on her in that same time. He was encountering her, speaking to her heart, speaking to her wounds from the past that, that caused such a strong reaction. And he met her in a powerful, incredible way. And she's been on a journey of forgiveness ever since that has absolutely blown me away. She's the most authentic person with God I have ever met. <laughs> and it's changed my life because it's opened me up to walk in true forgiveness because I need to acknowledge my hurt first. That's not my natural tendency, but because of her example, I'm able to see what that looks like, and I want that. I want that. <laughs> and so it leaves us with the last question. Okay, I get what forgiveness is. I get why forgiveness. How? I can't do this. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know the hurt that I've carried for so long? I can't, how? How is that possible? I, just, I feel God pulling on my heart to tell you this. Your pain is valid. Your pain is, if nobody's ever told you that before, your pain is real. It's okay to feel that. Everybody who's slapped a Christian band-aid on your pain and told you you shouldn't be hurting because God's faithful and God will do everything and he'll work it for your good and all, like, forget that. You have to start with your pain. You have to. So your pain is valid. And God wants to meet every single one of us in the midst of that pain. And so, what is God's heart toward us? We have to start there. God, I'm hurting. I have all of these wounds that just won't let go. I feel trapped. I feel held back. I feel crippled. I can't do this. I know you want me to go this way, but I don't have the strength to do it. There's a universal truth that God set up. We can only give away what we first receive. There's no way we can give something that we don't have. I can only give away love in the way I've been loved. I can only give away money when I've been paid. Like, there, there is a universal truth here that we can't give something away until we've first received it. And so God, what, what is your heart toward forgiveness then? You want me to forgive? Help, I need to know, how do you feel about me? I'm a mess. I've jacked this up, I've messed that up, I can't believe I've done the things that I've done. But here I am, that's all I got. You, you really think you can forgive me for that? 
So there's, I want to run through several verses in the Bible that show us a bit of God's heart and what he has for us. I can come up on the screen here in a second. So Daniel 9.9, God, how do you feel about us? The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we've rebelled against him. Next verse. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And then 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, God, that, that sounds pretty amazing. How? How do I receive that? What does that look like? You've all heard the story of the prodigal son, I'm sure. The son tells his father, hey, I want my money now. In essence, what he's telling the father is, I want you to die. You're worth more to me dead than you are alive. What you are giving me is nothing. I want your money. Biggest slap in the face you can give as a son. And so the father gives him, gives him his inheritance, sends him off, and he completely squanders it. Living up the party lifestyle, prostitutes and parties and everything. Fill in, the, fill in the, the gap with your story. Every single thing that you've done, this, this guy went off and did it. The father let him go. And finally, he reaches rock bottom and he's like, I can't do this. I'm broke, spent all the money. I'm sitting here with pigs, starving. I wish I could eat what they're eating. I guess I'm gonna go home. At least I can work, work at the farm, work at the the place that my father lives. I can be a servant. That'll be enough to at least have food on the table. He's going home. And as he's starting to get nearby, he's panicking. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, uh, I really didn't do well. I, I told my dad horrible things, terrible things. that I didn't need him. I didn't want him in my life. I hope he at least accepts me. I hope he is willing to let me be a servant. And even if he doesn't pay me, at least he can give me food and a place to live, and that'll be fine. He takes another three steps, and he hears his name called out. And he looks up, and there's the father running to him. After everything he did, everything that he spit in his dad's face, wasted all his money, all of these things. And the father's running to him. He was looking for him. He said, welcome home. I've been waiting for this for so long. That's the heart of the father for you. And then another example, let's look at Jesus. So here he has spent three years on earth doing life in and out every single day with his 12 disciples. They're closer than close. And then one of them betrays him, stabs him in the back, sells him out. Hey, you're looking for this guy? Right there. Give me the money. But that was the extent of the relationship 
that he had with Jesus. And then these people that were celebrating him just weeks earlier all betray him. They turn on him, crucify him. He's not worth celebrating anymore. Imagine the hurt that that felt. He's getting whipped, beaten, spit on, more physical pain than you can possibly imagine. Nailed to a cross where he can't even breathe. And he's there, gasping for air. And the heart of Jesus is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so you might be saying, like, there's, there's no way I can receive forgiveness. There's no way after what I've done. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So there is an invitation here today. There's an invitation here today to receive the forgiveness that Jesus died to extend to us. And the thing with that, the thing with a gift is it doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm holding it out to you. I can stay here and hold it out to you forever. It doesn't affect your life unless you reach out and grab it and say, you know what? I'm going to choose to accept that gift. I'm going to choose to receive that gift. And that gift today is forgiveness. So anyone who is feeling shame, Anyone who is feeling condemnation, who's feeling, I can't do this, you don't know what I've done. Anyone who's feeling hurt, anyone who is struggling with offense, there is an invitation here today to lay that at the feet of Jesus. You do not have to leave here the same. You do not have to leave here weighed down and heavy burdened. So as we go into a time of worship, there is an invitation here to respond. And God can meet you wherever you are. But I want to say there is something powerful about moving in response to God, moving your body in response to God. So if you want to lay down whatever you are carrying and receive the forgiveness of God, it is the ability to forgive others. Without receiving that forgiveness yourself, you will not have the ability, you will not have the power to extend that forgiveness and walk in freedom. So God is inviting us into freedom right now. So Jesus, bless us right now. Holy Spirit of God, come and move on your people. God, your freedom is here. Your freedom is here. Help us to receive, God. Give us the strength that we need to reach out and grab on, to lay down shame, to lay down fear, to lay down frustration to lay down hurt at your feet. You are strong enough. You are big enough. 
and you will carry it for us. Thank you, Jesus. We are yours, God. We surrender to you. Come have your way in us. Come have your way in us. In Jesus' mighty name.